Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin coming here to you live from the MGM Grand. Or I shouldn't say live. I should say taped. Uh, just got out of the arena. Manny Pacquiao successfully defeating Keith Thurman via split decision. He is now the sole WBA welterweight champion of the world at 40 years old. What an accomplishment by Manny Pacquiao. Uh, I just got to say, first of all, that it was it really was a, a true bucket list item of mine to get to watch Manny Pacquiao in person. Guy's been one of my favorite fighters for a long time and it didn't disappoint. It was a it was a phenomenal, phenomenal atmosphere. People still love him. I was there with Leroy and Leroy was almost blown away too by just how much people love watching this guy fight. There tr- you know truly were a lot of Filipino fans that were there, but he is just was beloved by everybody, and I think you got a big sense of why that was tonight. You know, he's just such a crowd pleasing fighter, a guy who goes for the finish, um, a guy who is always offensively thinking, always looking to score, always looking to 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 bring the action, and because of that, I just I just feel like he's made a lot of fans. You know, people always appreciate that, and, and even through the losses, you know, he's he's had some disappointing decisions that haven't gone his way he's had some decisions that have gone his way um you know the Mayweather blemish that everybody you know looks upon and says for a couple of things one he thinks he won a fight that he clearly lost two um a lot of people were pissed that he fought that fight injured and you know you just you think about all the joy that this guy has brought as a fight fan the Barrera fights the Morales fights the Marquez uh, saga that it was uh, just just always always going for the win always going to to bring the action and you know this was just a perfect example you're taking on a guy in Keith Thurman where it's ironic yeah, I think most people will look at this fight and see Manny Pacquiao get the win and they'll wonder uh you know is Keith Thurman the same guy that he was two years ago and Keith Thurman's the 30 year old and and he's the young guy who's who's in his prime and is amongst the best welterweights on the planet and was, you know, a couple, we were just, you know, 24 months removed from him. Everybody not having a, a question that he is the best welterweight on the planet. So, you know, Manny getting a win like this was huge. That, that arena went bananas when he got that knockdown in the, in the first round, first round lead right hand, uh, flush on Keith Thurman's face, putting him down on the canvas. And I was talking to Leroy about this because, you know, we were talking about gambling lies, like what is the the thing to bet here when it comes to this fight? And, you know, the odds were pretty close. They were they were really close. And so I didn't I didn't have a great answer. I said, well, if I could see anything happen that would probably make you money, it would be Keith Thurman getting a knockout because I could see Pacquiao have an early success and we have a Marquez situation and we would uh you know, maybe him run into something that was dumb, but he didn't. I mean, for a guy who had a lot of early offensive success, he was super calculated. He was finding his angles. Um, just a lot of success. It was, it, and you know, Keith had a lot of things going against him. We'll get to the decision as it was 
with the judges in a bit. Um, I scored the fight 116-111. I want to put a couple of caveats on that with my score, even though I don't think it's very far off, because I didn't think this was a very hard hard fight to score. Um, one, I was sitting, you know, I wasn't sitting in the nosebleeds, but I was sitting like basically second-level mezzanine, um, centering, had a great view. Um, as far as a fan's concerned, scoring a fight, maybe not the best because, you know, you definitely miss some things. And also, the the crowd was just deafening any time Manny would go towards Keith Thurman. And, you know, the one good thing about the Fox graphics is they put up the punch counts. And you could see that Keith was ahead on total punches that were landed as the fight was going on. Um, I think a lot of that was accumulation up against the ropes. He was hitting a lot of arms. He, was hitting, he wasn't hitting a lot of stuff flush. He probably took him about four rounds to really turn that on and find Manny's head and impose any kind of will that he had but I, I do feel like for for Keith it just took a while for him to give Manny anything to think about you know it probably took him about until the fifth round I think it was the first one that I actually gave to Keith and you, you know you're talking about a situation where I just think in a game of of trying to trying to get the judges in your favor that's tough but I mean look you look at how things ended up and they go 115 112 two sides for Manny 114 113 uh for Keith so you know those judges are telling one judge is telling you that he had it 7-5 for Manny um one one judges and then the other judges are telling you that they had it uh at a situation where they had seven rounds to five and I, I think that's a you know that's about right I had it I had it eight four with the extra point to Manny so I had 116 111 um but 115 112 I could definitely definitely see I'm sure there was a, a, among those first cluster rounds you could talk yourself into giving Keith around that's fine uh but I didn't think it was very controversial um you know judge who has a 114 113 as I'm sitting here I'm trying to get the actual scores because I'm curious to see where he has things because maybe it was one of these these situations where if you if you gave Keith an early round and you basically gave him everything but the 10th uh from like round six on I guess that's probably how you would get there um but you know I had a listener who was like well if Manny didn't get that body shot in the 10th it was probably turning towards Keith and I'm I don't disagree with the gentleman. Um, it, it did feel like some momentum was going towards Keith, and that May definitely was slowing down from the rocket pace that he was at. But he did. He did hit that body shot, and it did look like he was about to finish. And and I and I really think that at that point, um, it solidified it for him. I didn't I didn't I didn't think he needed anything else to really put it in the bag, um, other than just stay safe. That's 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 where I think he is. So. You know, it's a phenomenal win for him. It's a it's a it's a big time win. I think it's a legitimate win as far as you know. You look at the the, the recent ones that he's had with Lucas Matisse and Adrian Broner. You know, this is a this is a bona fide contender. This is a bona fide contender. This guy was a true champion, and it, it, it's crazy to say, but yeah, you have to put legitimately Manny Pacquiao is one of the best one forty sevens on the planet. Um, still at forty years old, which is crazy. And where does he go from here? You know, he said that he wasn't going to fight again this year, which uh, makes sense. You know, it's the end of July. Uh, the only thing that would make sense is fighting at the end of the year. And Errol Spence and Sean Porter, we learned today, are going to fight in September, at the end of September. So that doesn't really match up timeline-wise. You know, so I would expect something like maybe February. Manny Pacquiao 
winner between Sean Porter and Errol Spence. They don't really even acknowledge Terrence Crawford, so I wouldn't put that as an, an option. I was a little surprised by this because Floyd Mayweather was in attendance. Um, I was a little surprised that that there was no Floyd call out. I thought that was that was going to be a possibility with Manny, and I think that the crowd being as pro Manny that as it was, I think it would have gone over well. Um, so that's uh, that's that with that. Um, as far as Keith Thurman is concerned, I don't really think this hurts him, man. I honestly, first of all, um, thank you to to Keith and to um, his publicist Hannah for setting up the interview today, uh, this week, and letting us get to talk to him on Radio Row and Tracy and everybody out there who did a fantastic job hosting us this week. Um, he's a he's a great personality, man. He's a great personality. He's a great mind for the sport. I, I'm I really uh, I'm a bigger fan of the guy. I thought he fought a tough fight. I didn't think that he gave in. I think that this is by far the best opponent he's ever faced, no question. Um, he definitely looks like he is getting closer back to the guy that he was. Um, but I do think that Keith is is still not quite the guy that he was that rose all the way to the top to the welterweight division and is going to need another fight to get there. I don't know what that is or what makes sense for him next, but... Um, but I thought he fought a good fight. I thought that it took him a little while to impose his will on Manny Pacquiao, and I'm sure getting uh, put on the canvas in the first round, that'll do that to you. And boxing's just in a good place right now, man. It really is. Um, you know, Usually if this sport has a healthy welterweight, a healthy middleweight, and a healthy heavyweight division, it's, it's typically in a good spot. And I feel like all three of those divisions are in a strong place right now. A lot of contenders, a lot of interesting personalities that people care about. Um, and I think that having Manny Pacquiao in the picture for these young guys is an even it's an even um, it's an even greater tool for them. It really is. Now, I, this will be the interesting question, and it's tough to jump to this conclusion yet because we haven't had the fight between Sean Porter and Errol Spence. I definitely think that Errol Spence can crack the code of Manny Pacquiao. Um, I think that we saw a lot of great tools from him. But, again, you're going to be in that situation where, you know, you take on the legend. Does he get off to a slow start? Do you underestimate? I, I was saying this to Leroy. Like, everybody, they just take for granted what that power is that he can deliver and knock you on your ass early on. And you really are just working behind. Um, you're working behind on the count when it comes to that. You know, if you lose a first round, you're down 10-8 to him. Ask Juan Manuel Marquez. Ask to ask, ask the the lot of these people who have found themselves on their butts early on in fights and how that cost them against Manny Pacquiao. Um, and you know he's always I've always I've always thought that Manny is a first half fighter. Um, he is a guy that does does ra- rack up the score early on. Um, I thought that was pretty typical of this of this performance. I do feel like he I don't know if it was gassed out, but I think felt like everything was pretty much in hand and I do think Manny's gotten gotten caught with his pants down a couple of times i.e. Jeff Horn um so you know for him the question is what what does he want to do left does he want to be undisputed welterweight champion of the world is that something that's important to him does he want to keep chasing this Mayweather fight uh does he want to keep fighting you know for me this was such a great performance I'd love it if this was just it I know it's not um you know, I know that he's got a big deal with PBC and he's their cash cow and he's going to be the guy that shines a light on all these young guys or t- or just takes them out one by one. But um, 
he it, it was a thrill. I, I will say, you know, just getting to watch him there today was an absolute thrill. It was awesome seeing him in the building, uh, getting to see him in person, getting to see him knock down an opponent, getting to see all his vintage, getting to throw out the old shuffle after the second round, uh, the showmanship, the uh, the when he would get hit, throw throw you know the the bring it on, the knock himself in the noggin. Uh, because he didn't like his uh, defensive plan there, all that stuff. It was cool to see all that uh, vintage stuff. It's almost like going to see um, a favorite wrestler who's coming back after a long layoff, and you get to see uh, you get to see all the all the moves that get the cheap pops. So it was uh, it was absolutely awesome. Uh, great atmosphere at the at the at the MGM, and it's going to be curious. It's going to be curious to see what is left for Manny Pacquiao after this and how things shake out. Uh, Errol Spence and Sean Porter are going to fight. I think that um, I think that Errol's going to get that win. Um, you know, he looks so good against Mikey Garcia. I think people will say though of his resume that they are against two smaller guys, his best two wins. So, you know, do you know can Sean rough and tumble his way to a decision there? It's possible. Um, I think Vandy gives Sean Porter a lot of problems if the if that is ends up being the fight. Uh, where those guys, if they end up fighting for the undisputed welterweight championship or the unified welterweight championship, there'll be three belts on the line there. Um, Errol could be a problem for Manny, though. So that'll be something that's determined by the end of the month. That'll be a very exciting matchup that we're looking forward to, and you know we'll see what happens, man. But that is uh, that's our recap. That's our recap of what went down at the MGM Grand. Um, great show, great show, fun week at uh, in Las Vegas. Looking forward to getting back home to Miami. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We'll roll on with Fighters Fury a little bit more of what we got previewing UFC 240. Got a big card coming up. Max Holloway against Frankie Edgar. We'll get to that and some other stuff on the other side right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790 The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you uh, from the MGM Grand. Just wanted to give you guys a quick recap of UFC San Antonio. You had Leon Edwards getting the victory over Rafael Dos Anjos, getting himself a unanimous decision win, 50-45, 49-46, uh, 49-46 on the scorecard. So Leon Edwards gets the win. Not surprisingly, afterwards, calls out George Masvidal. Um <laughs> not surprising why he would want to do that after what went down in uh, UFC Liverpool earlier this year where George gave him the infamous three-piece in a soda. Um, I don't see that fight happening next, but you never know. Uh, quite frankly, uh, this welterweight division is in a bit of a weird spot. We don't know the health status of Usman. Uh, George has made what he wants next. He wants either Usman or he wants a fight with Conor McGregor. This is what I found weird this week, though. You know, Dana White came out this week and he said that that George is too big for Connor and that he doesn't want to do the fight because, you know, he didn't like Connor at 170, never wanted to do it in the first place, even though the Nate Diaz fights are, you know, two of the biggest selling pay per views of all time. I feel like a fight against Masvidal and McGregor could be that as well. Um, so I found that, I found that surprising. I also found it this, in the same interview setting where he's talking to TMZ and saying this, that he wants to do Israel Adesanya against. John Jones, even though Israel Adesanya is a pretty slim middleweight, and you know everybody's basically begging John Jones to go to heavyweight, so I, I found weird uh, the talking out of both sides of his mouth and 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 saying and uh, 
you know, two scenarios with uh, with two similar scenarios with just opposite logic. You know, go figure. Uh, not the first time, though, that the UFC president has not been consistent on stuff. You know, it just seems like whatever tickles his fancy. And for whatever reason, Masvidal versus McGregor doesn't tickle his fancy. Um, maybe too worried that that could be the final blow for Connor losing to a guy who's, you know, been mostly, you know, just a, a steady veteran his entire career. But, you know, it, for right now is is the most buzzworthy fighter in the UFC. I don't think you waste that on Leon Edwards. No disrespect to Leon Edwards. Um, I think that that is a fight. Basically, look, you have a personal beef like that when, when both of these guys are at different parts of their career right now. And, you know, it's good that he got the win over Dos Anjos, who, you know, has had some tough sledding as of lately, ever since coming to welterweight and having a good start. Um, you know, he had the win over Kevin Lee, but, you know, Kevin Lee's not exactly been lighting the world on fire lately. And so, you know, you look at the losses to Colby Covington, you look at the losses to Kamara Usman, uh, both pretty dominant losses. This is a pretty dominant loss. Um, and I know that he said that he's felt better at 170, but you, you can clearly see there are some physical limitations to RDA. And it's not really surprising that his best performance um, as of late was against Kevin Lee, who is a guy who's probably a tweener, 155, 170 guy. Probably, you know, he's one of those guys who's asked for 165. And not surprising that the best guy that RDA's looked at in this division was against Kevin Lee. So um, good for Leon Edwards getting this win. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a card I don't feel like had a lot of buzz. Obviously going up against the Manny Pacquiao card tonight, I don't feel like in the combat world it's going to have a lot of eyeballs. Um don't even know that you would say it's the the biggest thing to come off of this card as you you look at a, a card that went with 10 straight decisions and then had just three sensational knockouts with what Dan Hooker did to James Vick absolutely devastating with Greg Hardy getting his win over Juan Adams um and, and so he gets himself another win we'll get to Greg Hardy in a second and then Walt Harris having just an unbelievable knockout over Alexei Olenek so you know, there were three really shining performances out there, and Leon's was good. Um, you know, busted RDA up, uh, busted RDA up really, really impressively. But I didn't feel like, oh, this is this vaults you into number one contender status or vaults you into a situation where you get to be in the talks of the title picture as of yet. I feel like he still has some more groundwork, and I know that he's been on a good win streak. That's eight straight for him. He's got wins over Donald Cerrone, and he's got win over RDA. Um, but I do feel like something else uh, should go in the mix there. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe do something like a, a Darren Till all, all London setup or something like that. Um, you know, maybe uh, Michael Chiesa. Who, who just got himself an impressive win over Diego Sanchez. I think that'd be a fun fight. Something, uh, you know, I, I think that's more the direction you go with Leon Edwards. I don't, I don't quite think that he's there yet, even though eight wins, is, eight wins in a row is, is uh, impressive no matter where you slice it. You know, to me, it's just, it, 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 it's not in the realm of getting to fight Masvidal yet. It's just not. Um, I think, I just think there's too much on the plate, and I, I just think you're, you're taking a big step back for Masvidal and where things are at this point. I think Masvidal, a guy who's put in all the time that he has for 16 years, I think that he deserves to go and fight for the title. Numero uno, I think he's the bar, num bar none 
number one contender right now. Um, and if that doesn't happen, you know, obviously the McGregor fight makes a lot of sense. I don't see if Usman is unhealthy, duh, you know, doing a Colby Covington, George Mosfield fight doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They're both in the same camp. I think if it was for the pure title, they absolutely would do it. But an interim title, that's getting dicey to me. I don't think that would happen. So, you know, what's an interesting spot? Um, other big story. Yeah, so I guess um, reversing on this card, Walt Harris, again, big knockout. Um, shout out to him. Big performance. Dan Hooker, same way. Greg Hardy getting his win over Juan Adams now makes himself in the position where he is 5-1 and one in the UFC. I think the interesting thing with Greg, a um, lot of booze, a lot of booze in Texas. Uh, I was hearing there's a lot of booze. They didn't put two and two together that, oh, yeah, he had a really bad run with the Cowboys. So it makes sense that it was uh, that that was the situation it was in. Um, you know, Juan tried to take him down, failed miserably and got hit repeatedly in, in, uh, in his in his head and really couldn't do anything with it. Um, you know, so a good win for Greg Hardy, a legit win for Greg Hardy. But um, and I and I think a good redeeming because I know that you know Dana White wasn't very impressed with the the Smolikov win back at UFC Sunrise. Uh, most more so on the on the regard of the opponent, they're like, well, who is this guy that we got him? You know, Juan was a guy who called out Greg Hardy, called this fight out, and you know Greg made him pay. Um, I guess the good question with Greg, you know, the, the the question that I had the last time with Hardy was, do people care anymore? Because I felt like in Sunrise, I felt like the reception was pretty lukewarm. I didn't find it to be vitriol and booing. And, you know, for my money, I thought that that's the whole point of having Greg Hardy. If you're going to have a guy who's controversy around him, but they're obviously not putting him out there for his skill set um, and what he brings to the cage as a mixed martial artist as of yet because he's so new to this. But he is always the co-main event. He is a big draw. Um, people want to, you know, ESPN is no dummy. They want to put on somebody that's going to get eyeballs, and he certainly does that. Um, but my question after the Smolikov win was like, man, do people care about this? Do they care about Greg Hardy anymore? Is this whole thing kind of run out? Um, and so with it having more of a boo reaction in San Antonio, a place where, you know, in Texas where the uh, the NFL run just kind of came to an end, um, I think it felt more like, oh, people really – hate this guy and 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 hate all the baggage that came with him um you know you know from my standpoint look they've already the ufc's already show like they don't they're giving him a second chance he's moving he's uh he's moving forth with this um you know they've had plenty of people with 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 bad baggage who have fought in the promotions before you know and i know that that doesn't sit great with everybody but they've drawn their line in the sand with that stuff um I just think the question is, like, what can this guy be? What can a guy who has all-pro NFL talent, what can he mold into as a fighter? Um, I don't think it means that anybody ever has to root for him if he goes into the ring. But I am curious. I am curious with a guy who trains at the best, one of the best, the best gym in the world at American Top Team, what can they mold that into? You know, he tried to, you know, Juan tried to take him down today, failed miserably, and paid for it. So... You know, is, is this a guy who's going to get better? And then when does the time come where the UFC feeds him to the wolves? When do they give him somebody who is not maybe even necessarily a, a, a top five contender, but a top ten contender 
somebody who has had a lot of UFC fights, can he handle that kind of deep water? That's that's really the question when it comes to him. So um, a lot of wondering to do when it comes to Greg Hardy and his future with the promotion. Um, last thing to note, uh, this week we was announced that we got Donald Cerrone versus Justin Gaethje. That's going to be in September, I believe, and that fight's awesome. That is uh, that's an automatic MMA fan pants tent fight. So can't wait for it. Violence off the charts. It's going to be unbelievable, and it's crazy, crazy. I can't pick a winner yet. We'll get to that as it uh, as it draws a little bit closer near. But absolutely looking forward to that one. That's a little UFC recap. Uh, we'll roll on. We'll get some more stuff done. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of UFC 240, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar. Oh, before we get out, um, I want to make a quick mention from the Pacquiao card. Uh, Caleb Plant, what a performance. Uh, I wanted to mention his uh, his win over Mike Lee. Those guys were uh, – they did a great job promoting their fight this week. I will say, um, interesting thing that the, the, the Fox was doing, trying to put him on national television before – the pay-per-view card and i get it um you kind of want to draw a lot of eyeballs i think they should put him before the pacquiao fight i think that you know i think the ajagba thing or putting a secondary guy um but i think a fight that good i I feel like it could have uplifted the pay-per-view a little bit i think i think the pay-per-view could have used it and i think that you know more people are going to end up wanting to be in that building and see Caleb Plant. I, I thought that that was a disservice. I thought more people, you know, for example, Leroy and I were in the building. We watched Caleb Plant do work, and then we left and got got a, got a meal and then came back for the start of the pay-per-view. Like, more people should have seen that in person, of what Caleb Plant put forth. Uh, it was a great performance, and look forward to seeing what he does at 168 pounds. All right, we'll be back with more Fighters Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury continues here on The Ticket. Let's get into a little bit of UFC 240. It is coming to you live from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. They got Max Holloway, who's kind of almost like become New George St. Pierre. feels like they're going to Max Holloway for every Canadian card now. With GSP out of the game, they don't really, you know... The, it's it's funny like the the Canadian market was such a such a staple with GSP around Roy, Roy McDonald and Faraz Hobby and all that stuff and it, it feels like it's a little bit um, how should I say this it's, it's a little bit neglected from where it was back in the the heyday of GSP and I think that's one of those things where you don't have the icon that it was with having GSP there but Max has done I think a fantastic job of almost holding that torch. For Canada, he did a great job promoting things in Toronto when he beat Brian Ortega. A real fantastic performance from him. And this is a fascinating fight for Max. You know, he is defending his featherweight championship. And he is going to be taking on Frankie Edgar. Matchup we've wanted a couple times. This has been, uh, it's been, it's been neglected a couple times because of injuries, because of, uh, to, to both guys. And hopefully this, this happens. They tried doing this at, uh, UFC 218 and, UFC 222, but both both fighters each time they had injury issues. We know Max Holloway had the scary thing that went on with his his uh, his weight cutting, and uh, they were worried about his head and all that stuff. And you know, Frankie Edgar is an absolute legend, and you know he's one of these guys. It's funny we just saw the performance by Uriah Faber last week, where you know Faber knocks out 
uh, Ricky Simone in 46 seconds and is kind of like back on the scene and everybody's fired up about uh, fired up about Uriah Faber and he's trying to get back into the title picture and all that. But Frankie is one of these guys. I mean, he's just as tough as they come. Like he's he's never really had the slope that Uriah had. Like all respect to Uriah Faber, he's one of the greats. But Frankie, you know, Frankie's losses until the Brian Ortega loss where he got absolutely destroyed with a monster shot. Ah, that didn't happen to Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar was the guy who was just dis- he was destroying everybody when everybody it felt like they were trying to use him almost in the role that Robbie Lawler was in where it's gatekeeper, it's it's do this for the young guys, keep them in that position, but Frankie he he just always rose above. He always rose above when it came to that stuff and it's it's so impressive to see that. So this is a match that we've been wanting for a long time and it's it's just it's a couple of things you know a couple of things stand out first of all you're talking about at featherweight two of the best boxers you have out there just absolutely fantastic with their hands but the fascinating thing about this is all right well what what is going to be the case with the size and i think that frankie probably has to look at the blueprint put forth by Dustin Poirier and how Dustin was able to outbox and 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 hurt Max Holloway. The thing that's a little bit different is look, D- Dustin is one of the most violent strikers out there, as is Max, but he's one of the most violent strikers out there. The size is definitely a big thing. So we're talking about a a a, a situation where how is Ma- how is Max going to react? That was really the first time in a long time we've seen that kind of damage put on Max Holloway. And he was still coming. He was still a guy who was. Who is trying to take it? He's an absolute zombie man. Um, the other thing that's going to be interesting is, you know, coming back down to featherweight. What is the reaction going to be like for Max Holloway? You know, he is a guy who went up to lightweight, and a lot of people thought that was going to take. That was going to be the the absolute uh, jumping off point for him. That he'd done all he could do at featherweight, and a lot of that was true. So, is he is is he going to take to this? Okay. Is this going to be a guy who who reacts well to being back where it started? You know, is, is it a, is it a mental crutch at all that you know people thought he he was just going to kind of move on and, and go forth and maybe be one of the players at, at at lightweight, or is it a is it a tough feeling where you you're kind of back and it feels like you have some making up to do? I don't know if any of that stuff matters to Max Holloway. These are just things kind of just going through your head as you kind of paint the picture of the fight and see. What's really on the line here for Frankie Edgar? It it feels like this is a this is a house money fight. I mean the guy the guy's legacy to me is Teflon. It's Teflon. He's one of the best fighters that we've seen. I mean the fact that he was lightweight champion at the size that he's at is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You know Frankie Edgar five six on a good day going in there against Max Holloway who is five eleven pushing six foot probably. Could be uh, could be fighting easily at 155 pounds. Quite frankly, if he wanted to, probably could put on the muscle to get to 170 pounds. That's the kind of frame that he has. But when you take the beating that he did against Dustin Poirier, everybody's going, "Well, is he really okay with the with the with, with the lightweight division?" This is what I really think. You know, I think Max really just lost to a better guy. I think people were underestimating Dustin Poirier, and that makes it crazy because. Max has established himself as one of the best featherweights of all time. You know, you're talking about Jose, you're talking about Connor, you're talking about Max. 
those are those are probably the the the, the figureheads of the division over the last ten years that they've done this. And so now that we're in this position of him taking on Frankie Edgar, it's it's a couple things. Like it's kind of the last hurdle for Max Holloway. Um, he's destroyed Brian Ortega, who to most was the biggest up and coming guy there. And then it's, it is going to be really in a situation for Max Hollywood. Well, what's left, you know, he's beaten the best contender almost of his era. The only thing that would really be left were, would be for him to avenge the Conor McGregor loss, which never really going to happen at 145. And I can't imagine they could do it again at 155. I think that fight would have been an absolute monster if you did Connor versus Max Holloway, if Max would have beaten Dustin. And I do think that Dustin beating him, it takes a little bit of the shine off of that. But, you know, if we're looking at it right now, you know, Jeremy Stevens was was really hot on the trail of everybody. That's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, if, if we are... If we're looking at mm, the rankings right now, Korean Zombie's kind of back into the fold. Will people be interested in seeing him back in the title fight? Once again, Zabit. Um, Zabit's, Zabit's definitely an interesting one. I think people would be into watching Zabit, although I don't think the I don't think the buzz is quite what it was probably a year ago. Um, people are intrigued by him, and he's well rounded. He's got he's got all the tools. Josh Emmett is is making his way back with some dynamic workouts. So. Th- you know, it's it, there are exciting fighters at 145. The question for Max is, oh, and in 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 true to his form, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, obvious one that deserves a title shot next. He is he's kind of done all he can do to earn a title shot. Will he be in there soon against Max Holloway? He's obviously very upset that that Frankie's the one that got the jump. I get it. Uh, the Frankie thing. This is the this is the funny thing about. The, uh, the Henry Cejudo situation because, you know, Alexander probably did all he can do to earn the title shot, but he's just an unknown. And in that case, if you're going to go tie, if they're going to ask Maxwell, who do you want, this guy or this guy, he's obviously going to take the more famous name. With Henry, um, seeing this week that Dana White said that he wants to give Joey Benavidez the title shot first. And I was happy for that because I feel like Joey definitely deserves it. Uh, he beat Henry Cejudo and... You know, his biggest crime is he couldn't beat Mighty Mouse. So he deserves to be in the fold with all of those guys. Really, he does. So I was happy to hear that. But with 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 Max, you know, really looking at it, he does he, he it's one of those things where I know he probably wanted to make the jump to one fifty five and hope that there was gonna be a lot of success there, but because of the Connor factor, there there is going to be this feeling of unknown with 155. Unless Connor were to go to 170, fight somebody like Joe, uh, Jorge Masvidal, and maybe he ends with 155 and he's kind of just done with it. Um, you know that he wants the Khabib fight again. We were one at one point thought we were going to get Khabib versus Max Holloway, if not for the you know commission stopping Max on his weight cut. Um, Max versus Tony Ferguson fight that was offered to Tony Ferguson, but instead Dustin Poirier got it. Uh, that would be a fantastic fight if we ever got that. I mean, there's a lot of fun fights for him at 55, too. He's It's pretty hard to find a fight with Max Holloway and say, that's going to be a real snooze fest. He's that, he's that kind of exciting. He really is. He's one, of the, he's one of the most pleasing fighters to watch, and everybody has his respect. That's one of those things where when Dustin won that fight, people weren't even as impressed with, oh, okay, he got a piece of the interim belt. The fact that Dustin went out there and did that to Max, who... 
I think to many people were at the time was one of the best pound for pound fighters on the planet, no doubt. And the question is now he kind of goes in here against Frankie and it's 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 almost like you're you're legend fighting again. Like it's it's similar to taking on Jose Aldo again. Um, you know, Frankie had the the bad loss to Brian Ortega, but you know, this this is a guy who's coming off with the devastating win that he had over Yair and and the win that he had over Cub Swanson. Like, you know, we're not we're not talking about a guy who's weathered. He is he he's a guy who probably hasn't had to hurt himself a lot to make weight. 145 is a breeze for him. Honestly, Frankie's size wouldn't be surprised if he could make 135. He's that kind of size. He's 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 that at his stature. But he's always been used to taking on bigger guys. So there's a much different dynamic here as far as the size range is concerned, but Frankie's been dealing with that his entire career. Um, I think this. Okay, so as far as how I think the fight goes down next week in Canada, this is what I think. I think Max, the things that worry me about it is Max is off a fight where he got beat up. He is coming back down in weight, and I'm always worried about you get that opportunity to be at a higher weight and then you have to come back down. That's always a bit of a worry for people. You know, you have to, you know, for the for for those if you want a boxing reference to it, uh Roy Jones Jr. is a is a is a famous one. Antonio Tarver too. Um but Roy making the move up to heavyweight and then eventually coming back down and you know, the chin just wasn't quite the same when he had to cut the weight again. Max who's had his own weight cutting issues in the past had some head issues in the past, having to make that cut again, starving his body, getting to that point, uh, it does it does worry you a little bit. You know, the thing that happened to Aspen Ladd pretty recently, it I think brought to light again to some people um, some of the horrors of, of weight cutting. So for me, I look at this, and I, I do have those concerns. With Frankie, um, we did just see him get plastered by a young buck, something we haven't really seen in his career. He did bounce back from it nice to take on an old uh, rival in, in Cub Swanson. But the question with that is, all right, does, is, he, is, is he able to keep up with the, with the young guys of this era? We see Max took care of Brian Ortega pretty easily. So if you want to do some M- MMA math, there's that. I'm leaning towards, I think Max gets this. I, think he, I don't think anybody gets stopped in this fight. I think both guys are just too damn good. Uh, but if I have to go over a striking... If I, if I have to go over a, a, a striking standpoint, I almost think it, it equates very similar to Dustin versus Max, where people underestimated the the ferocity that, that Dustin can bring. I think that's kind of this, where he's going to be able to bring a lot of ferocity to uh, to Frankie. I will say this, you know, Max is typically a slow starter, and you don't want Frankie to be able to put rounds in the bank against you because he's that kind of skillful. He's that kind of good. So from that standpoint, you got to be careful. You got to be you got to be recovered. But I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Max Holloway to to retain his featherweight championship and beat Frankie Edgar. You also have Chris Cyborg taking on Felicia Spencer. I believe that's the last fight of Cyborg's UFC deal, and we'll see what happens with her after that. Uh, Olive, uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier is taking on Armand. Ta- Good luck to me, Tobin. Uh, Armand. Surakin, Sukuran, Su Sarukyan, 
Arman Sarukan. Got to be honest with you, never seen him fight. Never seen him fight, never read his name, obviously. But, uh, you know, I got to imagine they're going to give the, uh, the, the native fighter something that is going to be likely he gets his hand raised. Let's take a little look at our boy, uh, Arman, see what he's got. 13-2, and two, though. He's got himself a nice car, 22 years old, from Armenia. Always worried about Russians, man, not going to lie. Always thinking those guys can bring some serious pain when it comes to this. Um, his last fight, he did just come off a loss. He lost it on a, on a decision, UFC fight night. Um, before that one on a, uh, a head kick KO before he got into the UFC. So he lost his UFC debut. Um, and Olivier, his last fight, what do we got for him? He's lost a couple fights in a row, and they had a lot of uh, high hopes for him. So, And he's lost two fights in a row in Canada. Hmm, I think I'm going to go with my dude who I can't pronounce his name. Why not? That's what we'll go with the pick for that. So that's kind of your uh, your big run. It's not the most fantastic pay-per-view card in the world, to be honest with you. Um, but doesn't mean it won't turn out to be an entertaining card. But it's not, you know, if we looked a couple weeks ago, that, that the fight card that they almost had that you had for free, that almost came out better than this one. This one's uh, this one's got some hard times, Daddy. I'm not going to lie. So we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that, guys. We'll have a full recap for you next week when uh, we'll get into a little bit of Robbie Lawler versus Colby Covington, which, you know, you even look at that, that's got even that one, like that card for ESPN. You know who the who's who's the the big prominent partner here. Um, the one that's on free TV next week, you could argue, is a better card than than this one. But it's got a hell of a main event. Hell of a main event for sure. You're going to get to see uh, Cyborg or sl- go uh, go and slaughter somebody like she usually does. Although it is it is going to be interesting seeing how Cyborg reacts to the loss and, and how she takes that. So I don't want to be I don't want to be that flippant in saying Felicia Spencer can't go out there and do something. Um, you know, she's she's undefeated. She is is a submission monster, submission wizard. So I don't want to completely, de- de, you know, she's the former Invicta featherweight champion. So although I want to say that I think Cyborg steamrolls her, you don't know how she reacts to that loss. Um, she is getting up there and might have her, her eyes focused on something else. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I'll pick Cyborg, but, you know, might have been too quick to d- dismiss Felicia. But we'll have a full recap for you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Fighters Fury here on the ticket. And we will talk to you guys next Sunday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.